Hi everyone, this is Leslie Keith, President of the Board of Directors at the Lipedema Project and Director of Research. Welcome to Living Well with Lipedema. Today I have an excerpt from a free webinar with Siobhan Huggins that was provided by Lipedema Simplified during Lipedema Awareness Month in June of 2021. Siobhan is a young woman in her 20s who discovered she had lipedema just recently in September 2020. At the time of her diagnosis, she was already using a keto diet and had lost a great deal of weight. In this excerpt, she wonders if she was only diagnosed because of the weight loss and are there many women who are misdiagnosed as obese? Additionally, she speculates that a selection bias may result in a bias in lipedema research. I received a lot of support both before and after I got diagnosed, and the response ranged from kudos to figuring it out to condolences for having the condition. I personally felt pretty validated by the diagnosis, honestly. I felt better knowing the why behind some of my experiences over the years and why I kind of ran into certain things that I just chalked up to me being weird. Along with that, I talked to the lipedema community a lot through Leslin and Catherine's Facebook group. I've really valued that resource as a private place to ask questions. And I started wearing compression gear when I knew I'd be standing or walking for a long time, thanks to their advice. And that helped with the achiness and heavy feeling in my legs that I was getting before. Although I wasn't particularly unmotivated before the diagnosis to stay on a ketogenic diet, it did mean that I had yet another reason to stay strict knowing that if I went off course and the lipedema progressed because of that, it may be very difficult to reverse rather than a temporary unpleasantness in terms of depression management and food enjoyment and stuff like that. So that was also helpful for me to understand. I felt after the diagnosis, I understood my body a lot more. I'd always been very self-conscious about my arms, especially as I lost weight and they just kind of stayed bigger than I might've expected them to. But now I know it's not something I was doing wrong, so that's kind of reassuring. I've been feeling a lot better about it lately, and I'm way less critical of that aspect of myself. And this all may seem pretty straightforward up to this point. People saw a picture of me, noticed some things, figured I might have lipedema, and then boom, I got diagnosed. But I had to ask myself if I had never gone on a ketogenic diet, would I have ever been diagnosed in the first place? And this may be a confusing question because I just said that my lipedema symptoms improved on a ketogenic diet. Wouldn't it have been more obvious before when the symptoms were worse? I looked a little bit different then. I was obese. I weighed 240 pounds. I had a 37 inch waist. I also had high blood pressure that I was diagnosed with at 18 years old. And sure, I had big limbs, but then again, all of me was big at the time. So despite having symptoms starting from when I was a preteen, I doubt anyone would have looked at me and thought, I bet she's got lipedema, that must be it. I just didn't fit the profile, especially given lipedema is described as having disproportionate limbs and hypertension is supposed to be less common. So I suppose you could say I had hidden lipedema. And this made me wonder how many obese women have hidden lipedema and just don't know it. It's already mentioned in the research and by women who have personally experienced it, that even with more clear-cut symptoms with noticeably disproportionate limbs, that this can just be misdiagnosed as obesity and kind of dismissed. So if that's the case, it kind of brought up a question in my mind. So if there are hidden cases of lipedema, then it's possible this may influence perceptions regarding the condition 
due to those who are studied. So think of it this way. Let's say we have a group of 10 women who we magically know all have lipedema for sure, 100%. And half of them are also obese and have fat all over like I did. And the other half are more clearly disproportionate with smaller waists like I do now. The waist component is important because a larger waist circumference correlates to things like metabolic syndrome and diabetes and hypertension, meaning that those with more obvious lipedema who also have a smaller waist are less likely to have these conditions based off of that metric. If those who are obese and lipidemic go on to lose weight and improve their health, like I did, and see a decrease in waist size, then they may also be less likely to develop high blood pressure and metabolic syndrome and diabetes, or they may resolve them if they already have them. So I resolve my high blood pressure, for example. And at the same time, if this is paired with limbs that don't proportionally shrink, then this may increase their chance of being diagnosed. On the other hand, if those who are obese and have lipidema don't go on to successfully lose weight, as is true of many people, they may be less likely to be diagnosed as the lipedema may not be as obvious when paired with general obesity. Either way, this may result in uh, more clearly lipidemic women being diagnosed compared to those like me where it wasn't as obvious until I lost weight. But this presents a problem because we're now looking at this group, the diagnosed group. If this group is then studied to learn more about lipidema, as, you know, as we want to do, we want to learn more about it, they're more likely to be diagnosed because their lipidema wasn't as obscured from more typical fat patterns on top of the lipidemic fat, then the group that's being studied may end up being biased. Presuming that this is a possibility, this means that women who have been diagnosed with lipidema may be less likely to be diabetic or have high blood pressure because lipidema is typically easier to recognize if it's not also paired with severe abdominal obesity, which coincides with risk of metabolic syndrome. It is then possible that the diagnosed group, when studied, may present with this trend of not having severe metabolic diseases, or at least it not being as common, and this may be interpreted as lipedema being protective as a whole, but it may simply be due to the current inability to accurately capture hidden lipedema cases in women with more severe metabolic syndrome. Thank you, Siobhan, for that perspective. Very interesting, and that was a wonderful webinar that I have already listened to several times. And thank you also to you, our listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Living Well with Lipedema Flash Briefing. Hi there, this is Catherine Sayo with a very quick and exciting announcement just to let you know our three-day event, Heart to Heart is coming up March 31st, April 1 and 2. Make sure you don't miss it. We have speakers coming from all over the world and an amazing schedule for interaction with all of the community. It's going to be spectacular. Go to lipedema-simplified.org and be sure to click the link to get more information. And we'll see you there.